and welcome to Oh What a Rogue, the podcast where we take characters from across the Bard's canon and ask them to steal not just the scene, but also a priceless cultural artifact. I'm your host, Juliet. And I'm your host, Hayden. Last week, we saw Sebastian from The Twelfth Night lead a crew against Macduff from The Tragedy of Macbeth. In an attempt to steal the moon rocks collected from the Apollo 11 landing kept at NASA in Houston, Texas. This week, we'll be seeing two teams selected from across the tragedy of Hamlet, Prince of Denmark, and Much Ado About Nothing go head to head to steal an even more ambitious target, the Tour Eiffel, or the Eiffel Tower, in the center of Paris. So, Hayden. Juliet. The mastermind I am assigning to you to pick your team to to go along with is going to be the character of Benedict, the lovely leading man from Much Ado About Nothing. That's a good choice. Okay. Juliet. Mm -hmm. I think that I am going to assign your mastermind to be the ghost of Hamlet's father from Hamlet. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Okay. Great. The ghost of King Hamlet. Since you won last week's challenge with your incredible heist team, I think it's your turn to pick first for who you want from this cast to join Benedict (laughs) on your crew to steal the Eiffel Tower. Okay. Let me see. I have two plans in mind. I'm trying to figure out which one is more Benedict-ish. Let's see. Let's see. I think that obviously Much Ado is all about Benedict and Beatrice balancing each other out, but I'm going to pick a different counterbalance. I think my first pick is I want Horatio from Hamlet because I think he could do a lot of things that would sort of he's the i'm thinking about inception he's the um joseph gordon levitt to benedict's leo dicaprio (laughs) okay yeah i mean that's that's horatio through and through right that's uh you've got that that nail pegged for that that hole it's interesting to think about you know in much ado in in the, the introduction there beatrice suggests that benedict is like constantly moving from sidekick best friend to sidekick best friend and like kind of burning through them because of just how ridiculous he is and obviously that's from her point of view but I think it'd be interesting if like oh yeah you know after Claudio here comes Horatio yeah you know next one in the line Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and like it it's so great to have like a second guy there you know if you think about how boring the Oceans movies would be if it was just Danny Ocean without like Brad Pitt there to be like Rusty Ryan. Unimaginable. Mm-hmm. You got to have the pair. It's the center. It's the starting place. So for my first pick to go along with the ghost of King Hamlet, <laughs> I'm strongly considering Prince Hamlet. Oh, yeah. You know, that makes, I mean, it's the whole play. It's the, it makes sense. <laughs> Right, because it's like, you know, the the ghost comes up with the scheme and gives the orders and then like Hamlet carries them out. Right. You've, you've got a mastermind. <laughs> you got the boots on the ground. Mm-hmm. 
even if he has a a, a bad habit of going rogue. <laughs> in, in One could say. Ways. Yeah, and maybe there might be some like collateral damage there, but I uh, I think I'm gonna go with Prince Hamlet for my first pick. All right, I. You know, after giving that whole speech about picking someone who isn't Beatrice, I do think my next pick is going to be Beatrice. Mm -hmm. And I think this would be a good trio, too. I think, you know, Horatio is a counterbalance to them both. And sometimes you just need a guy there. And Horatio is the guy to Benedict and Beatrice, starting right now. Mm. And it's great, you know, because <laughs> Beatrice, like from uh, you know, the Dante Alighieri sort of, sort of set up. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's, it's all in, it's all in the name. I'm discovering that having chosen Hamlet, I, cause like Don Pedro is such a great choice and so is Don John, but they both have a lot of Hamlet in them. Uh, mm. And like Laertes is a great choice for this. He's, you know, beloved by people, really good at, at, at getting along with folks, really good at, at drinking and fighting and everything that we, we see from the Polonius monologue. But like, Laertes would not get along with Prince Hamlet, I think. Yeah. Uh, and with Beatrice taken, you know, I'm then down to possibly Hero. And I'm not sure that Hero would, like, abide well with, like, a ghost and a gloomy prince. <laughs> yeah, the social aspect, like, I think on paper, Hamlet and Hero could work well together. But in practice, I just think this is two sides of completely different coins from different countries kind of a situation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I think I might go mono princes here. I don't know. Uh, I'm gonna, gonna go with Don Pedro of, of Aragon as from, from Much Ado About Nothing as my second pick. I think his machinations with his ability to like easily set up not just Hero and Claudio's love, but Benedict, who's kind of an asshole, like to like outthink Benedict and set up everything so that Benedict actually like ends up being kind to Beatrice. I think Don Pedro could help like counterbalance Prince Hamlet in that way. Uh, looking at Hamlet's kind of um, antagonism as very similar to Benedict's and to be able to like out anticipate that while also being very charming of, of his own. Absolutely. I think that's a good pick. Let me see. Who's a good pick for number three? As well you know, on this show, one of my favorite games to play is who would be the best hacker in these plays? Mm -hmm. Because I think that's an essential part of any heist, of course. Right. In, like, you know, last week we saw, it was easy to see, the witches, like, would absolutely be the best hackers, right? Like, in... <laughs> I know we got some comments about whether or not it was okay to pick all three as one character, but like they're a package deal, I think. And I think that was a, a really smart pick. I mean, I think that's why you, you won last week really was because you had the perfect hacker. So I'm really curious to see uh, who you come up with this week. Yeah, I have a short list here and I'm looking. I, I think Ophelia would be a good hacker. Because it's the combination of understanding the rules and understanding how to break them. You know, that sort of like whimsy that she has along with her. So I'm going to snap Ophelia up as a hacker, I think. It's a great choice. I'm jealous that I didn't get there first. But that's, uh, that's what happens when you don't get to pick first. That's the game. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, hmm. 
pot. I, I'll take Ophelia, but the one lying in the river. No, that would, wouldn't be much. <laughs> so I'm tempted to think about, like, maybe Yorick? You know what I mean? Yeah. Or maybe, maybe Dogberry? Like, somebody who can really be, like, the buffoon, the, like, the Falstaff. Like, everyone goes and, like, looks at them, and, like, that's the big distraction that you need. Yeah, absolutely. On the other hand, you know, we were just talking about how when characters are a package deal, that's, like, really powerful. Rosencrantz and Guildenstern being one character slot, like, that could be nice. It's nice when you have, like, again, you know, I, I, I mentioned having... The, the two leading men, like you've got Benedict and, and Horatio together, having those two can play off each other so well. And that's such a great bit in, in heists. I mean, you know, it's great when your your hacker and your thief can work together or, or any of the little things like that. Yeah. Huh. This is so Rosencrantz difficult. and Guildenstern to me are the brothers from Ocean's Eleven who, uh-huh. uh, who race the cars together. Like that, I think, is a really good vibe and might even be good on your team, you know, not to... Yeah, not to pick I, for you, but I like that idea. I think as the like Turk and Virgil Malloy, yeah, I think I'm going to go with it. And again, you know, I'm counting on the mission statement from King Hamlet and the like cleverness of Don Pedro to hopefully disarm any conflicts that might come up between Prince Hamlet and Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are like, <laughs> I would say are dead uh, because, you know, Hamlet does kill them. But uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna be ambitious, and it might not pay off. But uh, my my third pick is gonna be Rosencrantz and Guildenstern. I think it's a big swing. I think it's one that works. Mm-hmm. Ooh, last slot. Let's see. It's time for the question of you know who do I have and what do I need. Mm-hmm. So I think one thing I I think I might be missing from your team uh, mm-hmm. is any muscle. Uh, you know, obviously, in an ideal world, every every idea for every heist can go off without anybody getting hurt at all. But, like, it's nice to have a little bit of muscle. I feel like my team has that kind of in spades uh, a little bit, um, especially, you know, coming from Prince Hamlet, especially, like, Rosencrantz and Guildenstern together. I really like your team for, you know, social skills, soft skills. But I'd be curious to see if, if you want to try to pick up a hitter or try to lean away from it and really try to, you know, make this a smooth operation. Yeah, this is a very social team that I've built here. Mm -hmm. And I am of two minds here, like you just said. I think for leaning into the social, I almost want the um, Queen Gertrude because of the classic, Mm -hmm. like, nobody would ever suspect an old lady, you know? She Mm -hmm. commands a lot of respect And it's very good for the social game. But on the other side, I am intrigued by adding Laertes here because Mm. I think he's, you know, he's competent. He's got a bit of a temper, of course, but he's very, I think, fierce in a way that would play well with both Benedict and Beatrice's single-mindedness that they can have. And also the don't separate the siblings, of course. Yeah. And I do think it also makes sense in that it's nice when the hitter, like, has to also do the little social scene and, like, you get to see them, like, really try really hard. And, like, I think Laertes can contribute even before it's like, okay, now it's time to go loud, Uh, which is, like, a big, a big help, 
you know, he's a, a fun-loving guy. He's a lovable guy when he's not plagued by tragedy and grief. And, I mean, as long as Ophelia is safe next to him, I think he'd probably be, be a good fit. So, I think gosh. so. I You've talked me around. Let's do Laertes. Yeah. Oh. And this is part of the problem, you know? We're, <laughs> we're so supportive <laughs> that, uh, that we end up in this tricky position. So to, to recap your team, you've got... Benedict leading Horatio, Beatrice, Ophelia, and Laertes. And for my team, I've got the ghost of King Hamlet, Prince Hamlet, Don Pedro of Aragon, Rosencrantz and Guildenstern, and now I've got to pick my final pick. If I had somebody else as the mastermind, I think the ghost of King Hamlet would be a great fourth pick. Because That's having true. somebody who can, like, walk through walls and do the like really really scary like mists from hell sort of mm -hmm. idea is that could be really important and and really valuable hmm i like your idea with gertrude i like a helen mirren sort of figure appearing i think that's a great great sort of archetype to try to pull into things <sighs> however now that we have rosencrantz and guildenstern as like great henchmen i kind of want to lean even a little bit more villainous Ooh. Uh, you know uh, trying to lean into the ghost and prince hamlet and everything and i think i'm gonna go with don john from much Ado good about choice the the <laughs> ostensible villain of of the story you know the if i had my mouth i would bite if i had my liberty i would do my liking and i i think as part of that I would pitch Don Pedro and Prince Hamlet as being faces and Don John as the kind of like the silent assassin, like dour, like they always talk about how, how tart his face looks like you've just eaten a lemon. <laughs> um, I, just like sneaking about, doing things, messing with things, like ruining some security guard's day and being willing to do kind of that skullduggery in that way while also being able to keep his eye on that same big picture that like Prince Hamlet and Don Pedro are working with and you could also just like assign Rosencrantz and Guildenstern to him and just see what what drama that creates so I think I'm gonna go with uh you know I talked about going mono princes so here we have <laughs> Prince Hamlet uh Don Pedro and and Don John and yeah I think this is a great group i think you've really set up a vibe here the mm -hmm. i might have helped set the vibe with the mastermind pick but you've leaned into it in a way that is very vivid i think you know you mm -hmm. have this sort of dark conniving but not necessarily in like an evil way group i'm mm -hmm. really excited to see what this team can do You know, Frosty the Snowman, it's truly the most quintessential Christmas song. It introduces a beloved figure who invites the children to come to him, gets into an altercation with state authorities. Right, the hollering stop. And then he dies, but promises to be back again one day. Frosty is a Christ figure. Hi, I'm Juliet. And I'm Catherine. And we're I'll Be Pod for Castmas, a seasonal podcast where we overanalyze Christmas pop songs and movies. 
and put them into conversation with some unlikely pieces of literature. Don't be a cringe. Join us on I'll Be Pod for Castmas on the Moonshot Podcast Network. So this is a wild one, right? Because just how audacious and ambitious the target of the Eiffel Tower is. I mean, like, were any of Shakespeare's characters even alive when the Eiffel Tower? I mean, they couldn't have been, right? Because Shakespeare wasn't alive then. No, not not even close. <laughs> no, I don't think any of them were alive. And also, something we haven't discussed yet is the Eiffel Tower is big. Like... Mm-hmm really big and like rocks and computers are like one thing like the scale in size also i don't think any of these characters are particularly engineers though several of them did get like a university education so we could we could be surprised i suppose can always take that sort of angle here mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so i'm curious hayden for act one pledge how does your heist begin? So, I've got a group here of, I think, four out of five, three out of five of these people are, like, loud and social and such. And so I think it starts loud. I think it's the... Loud in the sense of talking, not loud in the sense of fighting and, like, guns, right? Unclear. I I think that it... Ooh could start in a way that makes you think it's going to go wrong. Does it go wrong? We'll see. But Mm -hmm. I think it starts with, all right, everybody hands in the air. We're taking the Eiffel Tower. And, you know, when someone says that to you, you don't, I don't think the first thought is how. I think the first thought is, you know, I should listen to this person. They seem like they know what they're talking about. Mm-hmm. And so, mm-hmm. in particular, I think Beatrice and Laertes would have a way of being like, all right, we're taking the tower. So we're starting loud the, in the social sense, in the threats and weapons sense. I think it's a wow. big beginning. Okay. I'm looking forward for maybe like even a diehard style twist. Like, yes, we are terrorists, but we're doing a different thing than you're expecting. Like, okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I, so for my act one, for my, my pledge, my beginning, I think you spend a few weeks like teaching and preparing and working on, on this, especially, so it's a series of ghost sightings, <laughs> uh, which are entirely like Rosencrantz and Guildenstern doing stuff, uh, oh, having good. been like taught and prepared and all of the, that planned out by like Prince Hamlet, who has that kind of specialty in like theater and performance, and Don John, who like anticipates people and what they're like going to be thinking, what they're going to be like needing or wanting and their emotions in that way. And so you have these like almost live theater ideas going around. Like imagine if like Sleep No More was happening like (laughs) flash mob style, (laughs) if that makes sense. Like It's genuinely creepy, and this is happening, like, around the whole, like, uh, uh, central square. It's happening, um, you know, at at the base. It's happening up at the top of of the Eiffel Tower. Uh, And this is, like, 
this is Rosencrantz and Guildenstern. So, like, we as the viewer aren't frightened, but, like, people are frightened. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I, I have written down here both, like, the worst night of your life, old tower. <laughs> uh, alternative <laughs> name, Eiffel Nights at Freddy's. Oh, good. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Uh, and then what I think you, you got this like scary stuff and then you get Don Pedro showing up as being the like, no, 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 don't, don't worry. Like I'm, you know, whether he shows up as like a businessman or like a priest, I'm not sure. Or maybe both. <laughs> the business priest. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I'm this like tech startup guy who's also like an ordained minister or something. A little bit ghostbustery, but like ghostbusters for the 21st century a little bit, you know, like... Hello, I'm so charming. Don't you know? Don't worry. Like this is this may seem scary, but I assure you, this won't be anything that that you really like. Here's a problem, and like I'm here as a solution. So that's that's my act one. Okay. So now we've got everybody. Their hands are up in the air. What's your <laughs> act two? Honestly, I wrote down notes for this and. Okay. My note for Act 2 just says, get caught. Like, it <laughs> falls apart immediately, right? Because, you know, there's the initial, oh god, we have our hands up in the air. And then after a minute, it's like, wait, you're going to steal the Eiffel Tower, you know? I don't, I don't think you are. And, you know, I think, to all outward appearances, it is a silly thing that is quashed quickly. You know, it goes viral on Twitter and then in six hours, it's overtaken by something else. Like uh, People are like, is this an ARG? Is this for, like, is this a marketing thing? Exactly. They're like, is this like a video game? Is this, you know, to me, it's a lot like the people who threw the can of soup on the painting, not to date this episode, but who threw the can of soup on the painting over the weekend. And then, like, Within a couple hours, everyone was like, okay, the suit painting, we've all heard of it. You know, it's fine. Let's move on. And so I think that by all appearances, Beatrice and Laertes are, you know, arrested for bringing weapons to the Eiffel Tower and, you know, carted away. And, you know, if they have a lawyer, someone who would be a lawyer, I think Horatio would be good in that role. The guy who shows up and is like, it's all taken care of. Let's get them out of here. And... I mean, by all, you know, it appears to be over before it's even really started. And that's my act two. Mm. So my act two, uh, you know, involves Don Pedro, like, being alongside some people, Paris Council members who, like, think this is a hoax and then they get, like, scared by something. And then, you know, like, we're kind of going in and out of believability and not into some people it's like clearly not believable but others like you know we we trick them with like the right light hamlet's doing some stuff behind the scenes rosencrantz and guildenstern like take turns being like scared to death by the the other you know what i mean like doing these really public sort of things and then they're unmasked almost like scooby-doo style like rosencrantz <laughs> and guildenstern vote like you know like you pull the big ghost mask off of them you turn off the fog machine and everything it's like oh this is like debunked like do you remember when those weird monoliths started showing up everywhere oh yeah right 
Like, it's one of those, like, oh, everybody believed in something a little bit, like, spooky for a little bit, but now, yeah, we know it's a weird, like, real estate scam or whatever, you know, or just, like, again, you know, social media, people trying to to, to go viral in that way. Uh, so, yeah, it, it seems like, you know, okay, well, the problem is solved. This thing is debunked. We figured out who it is. Rose and Kim's Guildsterner are tied up. Uh, and that's the end of my act two. All right. And so act three. <laughs> yeah. How, how does your story all come together? Uh, and is it like eventually revealed to everyone or just to the like audience at home, how it's pulled off? So, okay. The Eiffel Tower is technically owned by the city of Paris, but its management is trusted to a development company. It's specifically like an Eiffel Tower management and advertising company. Mm-hmm. And, you know, going up to the Eiffel Tower and holding up guns and saying, we're going to steal it, isn't nearly as effective as taking over the company. So we have this great distraction here, right? We have Beatrice and Laertes putting themselves on the line. They know it's fine. Horatio is a good lawyer. He's going to get him out of jail. Meanwhile, Ophelia, we've got our hacker. We've got our hacker and our mastermind, Benedict, hanging out. And when all eyes are on the Eiffel Tower, when all eyes are on this tense, weird, maybe fake, maybe comedic even situation, mm-hmm. we got people taking over the company. Who needs to take the tower off the ground if you have the piece of paper that says you own it? They're stealing the Eiffel Tower, but they're doing it in the 21st century way. I love it. <laughs> and so, like, the tower is still there, right? The tower's still there. It's We're just not under under new management. New management. We're not physically taking like the Eiffel Tower belongs in Paris. They're this group of people I think would respect that. But it's theirs now. <laughs> Their names are all on the ownership piece of paper mm-hmm. or whatever. Ophelia can take care of that. And you know, as they say, dealing in cash, you don't need a fence, right? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So my act three, my, my prestige, the way, the way it comes together, everybody thinks we don't need, you know, this, this priest specialist anymore. We don't need anything. We've got this sorted. This is totally solved. All those ghost sightings around Paris and like around the Eiffel Tower, the, you know, the, the phantoms of the tower and everything like, nah, that's not, not anything to worry about. And, you know, maybe some of the, um, the, the Paris council members are like giving a presentation, like at the, the, the Eiffel Tower being like, see, you know, it's all solved. We have nothing to fear here. We're doing, you know, our festival, we're doing our, our, doing that, that classic sort of thing. And then, oh, then the real ghost appears. Yes. The actual ghost of King Hamlet appears in like the most ominous setup imaginable. There's a whole thing where like a security guard tries to like pull out a gun and like shoot or like tase, you know, do do all sorts of stuff. A bunch of people try to tackle him and he like walks through that and then people are like, oh, it's a hologram. They try to shine a light and he's like, and then he just like points a finger at the council member and just goes like, beware. You know what I mean? And like, Somebody like faints from it. There's a there's a lot of lot of frightening things. Just classic ghost moment. 
Yeah, yeah. The ghost is like as foreboding as possible. There's a bunch of little, uh, you know, premonitions and like messages of different ghost things over the last few months that people assumed was just like building up hype that was part of the unmasked thing. And now like all of those things, almost like little prophecies, like, oh, but we were told that this thing had happened and like this, the ghost does it, you know, each of these things happen. And so the tower is like confirmed haunted in a yes. way that is like terrifying. And like a lot of people are genuinely frightened, but no one is actually like hurt. You know what I mean? This is my like, this is the worst night of your life old tower like it's it's truly frightening you know you have these like glowing red eyes boring out of this mist before this like towering humanoid figure like brushes past you and then disappears and like you know it's ominous i and so they end up turning back to don pedro who's like i have a solution and with the tower confirmed haunted they end up barricading it like off to do an exorcism. Imagine almost like the uh, fumigating, you know, bubbles that you put over a house, but over the entire tower uh, to to exercise it. And then while it's hidden by all the exorcism wards and everybody's like frightened and nobody's like agreeing to come anywhere near the tower, like everybody's afraid to even come within like a mile of it, you know, that's when we steal it. And we can take it apart as our leisure, you know. <laughs> we've we've got uh, got the the mystery and mystique on our side, and they won't really be surprised by it being gone until, you know, they expect the exorcism to be done by like X date, and people start trickling back into the center of Paris. People start showing up, and then they take down the wards, and then <gasps> the tower is gone, and we're. We're in a different country at this point. You know, we're in Denmark or wherever. Uh, we're already gone. Maybe we've rebuilt the Eiffel Tower piece by piece <laughs> in, in another place. Uh, so the upside is we set up this really cool thing. And then by the time people figure out it's gone, we're already out of the country. Downside is we do have to figure out a fence. But hopefully we'll have had like a buyer set up to begin with somebody who really wants it or somebody who like really hates France, maybe, I suppose. That's good. I love this idea. I think that's brilliant. <laughs> I like the subtlety of yours. I, they don't know it until it's, it's gone. I worry about the like, okay, now you're the public owners. Now you've got to do maintenance on it. <laughs> now you've got to do like pay taxes on it or, or whatever. It's I, a little bit of a sideways way of getting at it. And, yeah. you know, for better or for worse. <laughs> I think it's a really, like, fun, sneaky beginning. But it is a long, administrative-centric ending, too. Mm-hmm. And it's also one of those things where, like, so much about this thing compared to, like, a stock certificate or, like, a company or a bank account where like you hack those things it's like okay we changed the one thing there's so many like records that you'd have to hack so you'd have to change both mm. the computer records and then have people like replace the paper records on file and like yeah maybe even change like public perception because i think a lot of people just assume that it's owned by by paris and then like you figure out like oh is it run by whoever and you could do that with like an advertising campaign and that sort of thing 
but I, I, I feel like there's there's some things you run into with with following that approach. I I like I like the audacity of setting <laughs> Beatrice and, and Laertes up to be like, hey, your your tower or your life, you know, like That's... <laughs> you know this like highway robbery <laughs> setup. Um, I'm just imagining kids doing the like the Eiffel Tower challenge. Uh, on on TikTok or wherever, you know, they go into like a a, a Krispy Kreme. They're like, "Give me the Eiffel Tower, or I'll kill you," <laughs> you know, because uh, everyone just assumes it's this this little um, it's almost a meme at that point. I love yours a lot. I love the towers haunted, like mm-hmm. just always has we, been, <laughs> always has been exactly the like. I love the idea of, like, skeptics and, like, ghost hunters, like, amateur ghost hunters. BuzzFeed and Unsolved, or whatever they're called now, does an episode about the Eiffel Tower ghost, of course, because everyone's doing episodes about the Eiffel Tower ghosts. Mm-hmm. It's just really good. The My one... The, surely there's a point at the in the middle, is my one thing. There's a point in the middle where someone will look and go, I think the Eiffel Tower is shorter than it was before. You know, if you're disassembling it, I would assume you would go from the top down. Even if people are, you know, not within a mile of it, I have to assume it's tall enough that you can see it from a ways. Maybe I'm wrong. I would be happy to be wrong. I do just love the idea of someone looking at it and going, that doesn't look right, but we're not going to interfere with that. It's a ghost thing. Like, they're going to they're gonna take care of it. Maybe what we need to do instead is, like do like a Silent Hill style like fog over the entire tower <laughs> until it's gone. Uh, that could be a ghost power, you know? Yeah, Everyone uh-huh. has to get out of the ghost fog. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, there and we then go. by the time the ghost like, you know, the the exorcism is done, everybody we've sold all of them their little like exorcism wands. You know, like all of their <laughs> we, we, we have a side hustle, you know, selling talismans and like holy water shakers and you know etc etc and we make it so it actually works because we also control the ghost fog and then by the time everybody has those and like you know the city we sell the city this big like fan attached to this weird holy thing that like will blow away the ghost fog and then they do and then by the time that's set up and it's finally turned on the fog billows away and the tower is gone it's just I, so, it's very theatrical, and I mean that as the highest of compliments. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's so Which good. I, I think fits the, like, the weird princes. The ghost would be like, <laughs> why don't you just kill everyone and take it? <laughs> and Rose Prince and Guildstone are like, what if we messed things up even more? And meanwhile, the three princes are like, okay, imagine the look on their faces when they discover. <laughs> And then, like, you know, maybe we follow even a, like, Brothers Bloom sort of idea where the best, the best type of con is when everyone, including the the target, including the victim, gets exactly what they wanted. And so, like, yes. maybe the, the square where the tower was is still a, like, go-to spot. Like, it's still like, hey, do you want to see where a ghost stole the Eiffel Tower? 
That would absolutely be a tourist. You know, the, wasn't there a whole thing when the Mona Lisa was stolen? People mm -hmm. like crowded in to see where it used to be. That would absolutely be a tourist hit. Gosh, I love it. I love that. <laughs> so you, listener at home, can tell us before our, we record our next episode, which of these incredible plans, whether this social artistry, this kind of social engineering set up by Benedict with Horatio, Beatrice, Ophelia, and Laertes, or this spooky ghost story <laughs> featuring the ghost of King Hamlet, Prince Hamlet, Don Pedro, Rosencrantz, Guildenstern, and Don John. All right. And that's our show. Juliet, do you have anything to plug? Sure, you can follow me on Twitter and Itch and YouTube at Mousewife Games. <laughs> you can hear my four times a year podcast, I'll Be Pod for Castmas, this December, where we're covering some pretty exciting things. Yay! That's where I'm on, on the internet. What about you, Hayden? You can find me on Twitter and itch at Waveridden in general. If you find someone who is at Waveridden, that person is probably me. Check out me. Check out Juliet. You can find the podcast minds at at the podcast minds and the entire one mic stand pod jam at itch.io slash jam slash one mic stand. Oh, what a rogue. Oh, what a heist. Riley. Yeah, Andrew. Do you want to make a podcast ad? I do, but what would we mention? So I think that we could probably put together an ad for a show called The Podcast Minds. Ah. There, but for the grace of pod, go we. You know, it's a podcast where we both pitch each other podcast ideas instead of doing one ourselves. Yeah, it's a podcast pilot pitching project. Totally. It's We should mention that it's a comedy show, right? Where we throw out ideas like getting weirdly deep into the themes of Jumanji. Is that one a podcast? No, no. Uh, I, I, it's, a, it's a podcast idea that is actually a front for me to talk to you about hyperfixations I got. Oh, that's uh, most of the things that you hit me with. Uh, what about instead if we just talked about all the different ways you could do a rewatch of Lost? Now, that sounds like you just did what I did, but <laughs> you said it in a positive voice. Okay. And along the way, what if we pitched ideas like, I don't know, Epic Rap Battles of Mystery, the Lin-Manuel Miranda podcast. Listen to the podcast minds. There before the grace of pod, go we on your podcatcher of choice on the Moonshot Network. Hi-ho! Hi-ho! Every Friday.